This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? Tuesday, today's only Tuesday. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, Tuesday, October 26th, <laughs> 2021, uh, on the Monty Show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the hell you are. Hope you are fantastic. Make sure you find us wherever you get a podcast. The Monty Show is all you have to do. Just Google search The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show is where you'll find us on podcast. Uh, you'll find us obviously on YouTube, and guess what? We're giving away this Xbox Series S frame rates of power and stuff uh, as soon as we get to three thousand. And we currently are crawling. I mean, we are, and when I say we are crawling, I mean we are crawling. Um, okay, okay. You know, uh, we we actually aren't. We're at twenty five hundred and forty eight subscribers here on YouTube. Um, which is good. Hey man, I'm all about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's do this thing. I'm all about that action boss. So let's do this thing. And, uh, yeah, let's see what, uh, what we do when we get to 3000, we'll give away this Xbox series S. Uh, and then of course, um, all you have to do to win the Xbox series S, uh, is take a photo that you're subscribed, tag us on, uh, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, or and the same old thing. Um, and yeah, let's rock and roll. Uh, I am the Monty Show. He is SLC Supercar. So interesting night in the NBA last night there, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have an idea who the best team in the NBA is right now? Mm, not yet. I think it's. I think it's really early. I think. I think there are a lot of teams that aren't playing up to their their true potential yet, uh, especially on the defensive end. There's a lot of examples of teams who are working on things, getting better, you know. So I I think it's probably still pretty early. I can tell you the most exciting teams of the league are going to be the Bulls and the Hornets, uh, mainly because of the Ball Brothers, you know. I I think uh, they're not the best players in the league, but damn if they're not fun to watch, you know. LaMelo Ball's just a bigger, stronger dude this year. Yeah. I mean, I I think – that's a team that should definitely be a playoff team. Everybody stays healthy, all things being equal. We totally get it. Um, but by all accounts, and by most power rankings, the Utah Jazz are on top of pretty much everybody's rankings these days. And they have the Denver Nuggets coming in, who last night did not exactly um, scintillate, if you will, um, the, the, the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, by getting torched at home by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, not ideal. Not no. ideal. And Jokic getting dunked on by Laurie Markkinen. And, I mean, where do you, where do you, you know, when you look at the 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 Denver Nuggets, like, is that the same team that they we thought they would be? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, I, I think that they're a, a good team. You know, I, I think that they're also dealing with some things, you know. Um, you know, number one, You've got the Michael Porter Jr. situation with COVID uh, and the vaccine. Um, you know, so some nights he can play, other nights he cannot. Number two, you've got Jamal Murray coming in off the injury. Uh, you know, and and I think that you know, anytime you have one of your best players coming off of an injury, that's going to change things. Um, you you got to see how that pans out. But then number three, again, 
I just think that a lot of these teams, you know, have to come together a little bit. You know, I'm seeing a lot of games that are that are just messy games. They're not well well played games uh, on the defensive end, the offensive end. Like it's just not early season NBA basketball tends to be a bit messy. It tends to be a bit sloppy. So when I look at the Nuggets, I say, yeah, I mean, sure, your MVP got posterized last night, but that doesn't change the fact he's still the reigning MVP. Yeah, you know, I I think you they just have to come together, and I, and frankly. You know, yeah, I know they're on a back-to-back tonight against the Jazz, and theoretically you would think the Jazz would win this game. Um, but I don't think it's as far apart as, as it is on paper. I think that the, the Nuggets have something to prove. I think that the Nuggets uh, definitely got embarrassed last night. Uh, no doubt about it, that is not a game that they should have lost. And I think the Jazz need to be ready for a big-time fight. You know, I think the Nuggets are a team that, you know, last year we, we went to that game where Bogey put up 50 against the Nuggets. Um, and that was a game that they battled, even even with Bogey doing what he was doing. So overall, I just think that the Nuggets are a good team. I look around the west, rest of the Western Conference. I really like what the Lakers are doing right now. Uh, again, I still maintain that defense still needs to improve. Some nights they're getting great defense. Other nights it's a little mediocre. So I think consistency they need to improve on as well. Yeah, they'd be nice, uh, I, I think. And I think one of the things that's so interesting about this Utah Jazz team right now is where they are defensively. I, I I do not I don't think this is a bad defensive Utah Jazz team because certainly it is not. Uh-huh. But it's not very good either. Um and the thing that scares you as you go into the depths of this schedule is whether or not this jazz team can stand in front of guys on on most days and whether or not they can they can defend laterally because it seems like that's going to be the challenge. And if I had to guess, that's going to be the fatal flaw in this Jazz team on to whether or not they're going to be able to um, defend at a high level one-on-one. And and maybe one-on-one is the wrong way to put it, but how much pressure are you going to put on Rudy Gobert to defend the rim when you can't keep guys out of the paint? And I think that is that one fatal flaw. And every team has one, right? Maybe you can't shoot. Maybe you can't defend. I don't know. This Utah Jazz team is very good. But if they want to win a championship, they're really going to have to be better uh, man defense. And it, it'll be interesting tonight to see, to your point, how are the Denver Nuggets going to bounce back from what is unquestionably an embarrassing performance last night? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to bounce back with a lot of energy. I, I think, you know, again, when we always talk about teams who are on back-to-back, um, you know, we think, well, they're going to be tired or maybe they won't have as much gas in the tank. But frankly, it's early in the year. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to be that tired. I, I would expect them to be um, ready to go. And I, and I think, that, you know, the Jazz, the thing with the Jazz is like, you know, when they played the Kings, right? The Kings are a younger, really athletic team that can get the ball up and down the floor quickly. But they lack quality, right? They lack, you know, winning ability in, in terms of the game. So, you know, when you're watching the Jazz play the Kings, you're like, all right, you know, Davion Mitchell, you know, you've got you've got De'Aaron Fox. You know, you've got Buddy Heald. Um, you've got a bunch of these guys who can really get after it in one-on-one matchups. And I think that was on full display. Now, kudos to the Jazz for going out and winning that game. Shows you the Jazz know how to close yeah. and win tight ball games. Yeah. But I just think that it really shows us that one-on-one defense is going to be interesting to see how they address it. I, I think the, the key areas of concern in the perimeter are bogey. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's quick. He's not a guy that's got a great first step defensively. So that's going to be a guy that offenses are going to key in on, number one. Number two, 
I think the other thing that we got to talk about is the matchups and the way Quinn goes about this rotation. I think we're still seeing him play a lot of guys and a lot of different different secondary lineups. You know, he, he ran one out there the other night that was like, um, I, I want to say he had like Oni, Conley, um, you know, and Rudy on the floor together with Pascal, and I can't remember who the fifth guy was, but he's getting creative with these lineups. And what I'm getting at here, my point is, is that with him doing that, the defensive matchups will be will be really interesting. So tonight against the Nuggets, does he go more traditional? Does he go like with what we would expect? Or does he switch things up? That's that's something you got to watch for. Well, I don't know. I, I would think you would see more Eric Paschal tonight because I don't know that you have a, a real matchup for Aaron Gordon, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you think about that, if you think about the guard play even without Aaron Murray, I mean, you're, you're still getting – um, you know, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., um, you know, Monte Morris. Like, you have all of these these two, three combo guys. Um, and really, if you look at Michael Porter Jr., a three, four combo guy, like, you have a lot of guys that play multiple positions. So they're not locked into one style. They're not locked into one way or the other of playing basketball, which I think is part of what the, the Jazz are. I think the Jazz are locked into playing kind of one style. You know, well, if, if you know, videos Ricky are going to autoplay, videos are going to autoplay. It happens. But my point <laughs> is, I just don't see a whole lot of flexibility built into the way that the jazz can play. And this is a conversation I think we're going to wind up having pretty much all season. How flexible is Quinn Snyder willing to be with his rotations? Because he's been pretty rigid. Um, you know, historically, he doesn't like to play a lot of guys. And this year, I think he's playing a lot of guys. And don't yeah. forget about Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is a guy that is out with this heel surgery. Um, and there's not a real definitive timeline or a, a guesstimate at this point. He was, you know, there was a couple updates from the guy, from the, the folks who follow the Jazz every day. You, uh, we all know the names on Twitter. Uh, Rudy Gay was working on, was doing some very light and easy post work yesterday. Nothing, nothing super hard contact or anything like that, but he is on the floor and he is moving well. He the heel doesn't look like it's an issue for him right now, but there's a difference between practice and being able to go out there and run fives in a full game. So um, my feeling is is he's probably still got a couple weeks, but I I'm not a doctor, right? Just based on yeah. that video, it seems like there's still about two weeks left. So that's where Rudy Gay's at. But I but I think you know this whole thing about Quinn and how many guys he's willing to play. Last year is very different than this year. Last year, I don't really feel like he had a lot of guys to play. I don't really feel like, you know, the Onis of the world or or the Azabukis or whoever you want to point well, to. Well, Azabuki's no longer on the basketball team. Yeah, so which is the other relax. thing. Yeah, the other thing that I love, you know, they, they uh, what do they, what do you call it in the league? They assigned him to the G League team or whatever. So it just is. But Jake, you know. he's a superstar. Yeah, Do apparently. Doke's a superstar that is, he just, you know, he is going to have a breakout year. Right, right. Well, mm. unfortunately, it yeah, doesn't look like that's yeah. going to happen. He's no so. longer on the team. They assigned um. him to the, yeah, the stars, by the way. Okay, good. good. Uh, All right, but I, I think it's, it's one of those things where, like, to your point on Hassan Whiteside, I think Hassan Whiteside is showing you um, that he can play 20 minutes a night for you um, and that you're not going to have a huge fall off Again, I think he was much better in game two than he was in game one defensively, but you're not going to have some huge fall off from Rudy to, to Hassan Whiteside on the defensive end, and you're going to be better off or offensively, excuse me, with Hassan Whiteside on the floor. And those nights where Rudy just doesn't play very well, and those are going to happen from time to time, Hassan Whiteside's a nice, a nice injection into that lineup.
Well, look at it tonight. I mean, you've got you've got a guy in Jokic tonight who is a, a really mobile big, a guy who is light on his feet, um, a guy who obviously can score the ball at will. And it kind of begs the question, like last year, this would have been a game that Rudy's going to have to play, you know, pushing 40 minutes. I mean, that's just what it was last year. And, and I think this year that doesn't have to be the case. And I think that's a huge advantage for the Jazz. You can't tell me there weren't times last year where Rudy was tired. I mean, you just I, I just don't believe it. I mean, the guy played a ton of minutes. So, so like tonight, what I would love to see is I would love to see from time to time getting Hassan out there against Jokic from time to time just to see what he can do because Hassan, in my opinion, is a more mobile big than Rudy. Now, Rudy is a superior defender. Rudy is a much more uh, intimidating presence there in the middle, but I think when you're playing a guy like Jokic, the value of mobility is high. I mean, you got to have a guy who can keep up with him. So I'll be just curious to see you know, what, what Quinn does in terms of when he takes Rudy out. Is he going to take him out with 10 minutes left in the first quarter? Is he going to push it and wait till six minutes left in the quarter? That's what I'm looking for. I, I want to know, you know, is Mike Conley going to play, you know, 10 out of 12 minutes in the first quarter? Or is Mike Conley only going to play like eight or nine minutes? And then we get the Jared Butler experience. That's that's what I want to see tonight because I just think that this Nuggets team is uniquely set up to give many teams, not just the Jazz, but many teams problems matchup-wise. Like you were talking about, they've got a lot of guys who can do multiple different things. So to wrap the Nuggets up, like I think they are a good team. I think they have some inconsistencies that they're going to deal with most of the season. And I think it's just going to be a matter of how cohesive they can be offensively because Jokic can't go into this whole this whole passive, I'm just going to play point guard as a seven-footer setup that they like to run. That's not going to work if they if they want to win games. So that's and, what you need to be looking for. And Jokic loves to be the guy that just – here, let me stand at the top of the key. I'll hand off to you, and you'll hand off to me, and I'll hand off to you, and one of us will hock up a terrible three. Yeah, pretty much. Like that, That's, <laughs> that, he likes that. That is that when when the Denver Nuggets struggle, that is default Nikola Jokic Denver Nuggets basketball. That's not what we're about. Yeah, well, apparently it is, Coach. Um, I think one of the more interesting things about this Jazz team is Quinn Snyder, and I'm a huge Quinn Snyder guy. Have been, am today. He needs to play. Uh, uh, he needs to figure out what that rotation is. He he really does, and I I don't mean to belabor that point, but are, are you still a Quinn Snyder guy? Are you still on the Quinn yeah. Snyder train? I mean, I I think all the people who are hating on Quinn are just are just misguided. Like I think that they they don't realize that that he really didn't have. I mean, honestly, he really didn't have but seven guys last season. You know, you had your starting five plus two guys yeah. coming off the bench. I mean, everyone was like, oh well, why didn't he make an adjustment in the in the in the in the Terrence Mann game was on was on Quinn Snyder and and I just disagree with that I I think that what was so painfully obvious is that the, the that Quinn Snyder was left to play that game against the Clippers with one hand tied behind his back I mean that's just what it was I mean you had you had the Mike Conley injury you had Donovan at fifty percent I would say at at, at most uh, and you don't have a, a a guy on your roster who can fill in for Rudy Gobert when the Clippers go small. Right. So you were left with a decision, and that decision was, hey, we're going to die on the hill of Terrence Mann. If he's going to make all those threes, we're fine ending our season like that. And that's what ended up happening, unfortunately. So so when I look at Quinn Snyder, I don't think he's a bad coach. I actually think he's a damn good coach. I think I think that he his tactics are good. I think his adjustments are good. There are times where the out-of-bounds stuff is not great. But overall, I think he does a really good job of keeping this team on track 
and getting them back to where they need to be when they get two, three happy. Yeah, and I think sometimes his angry timeout hand slapping thing pisses people off too. But I, I, I think Quinn is, Quinn is in a make or break year. I think this, again, I think this is a critical year for the entire organization. Yeah, I really do. Uh, all right, let's get some of your thoughts in here. Uh, what's going on? James Knight says, "Good day, lads. Good day, Mike." <laughs> Uh, Chipotle is overrated, says good morning, everyone. <laughs> so reliable. <laughs> good morning. Uh, well, I'm telling you. And by the way, uh, Maury Alvarez says, missed the live show yesterday, but Cafe Rio 10 times better than Chipotle. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting here before the show trying to come up with like a third topic because we felt a little light. Why didn't we just go with Chipotle versus Cafe Rio? I mean, that's what everyone wants to talk about very clearly. I mean, why didn't we just go with that and do the whole show on that? Instead, and this is not a joke, I'm dead serious about this. We're like, well, you know, we feel like we're a topic light. We've got the Pop-Tart lawsuit. Um, you know, that's interesting. Jake hates customer service reps. Okay, that's interesting. And Jake's like, well, why don't we just talk about the worst places to fart? Um. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Uh, I mean, I don't know that's how his I do idea it. For I don't a know topic. how I do it. I That's, really don't. You know, I don't know how I do yeah. it. I mean, I just, I'm just that good. You know, you do, I, mean, I know, I know how you do it. You don't do it. Uh, Greg <laughs> Hawkins says, hello. Hello, Greg. How are you? Hope you're doing well, my friend. <laughs> Eric C says, let's go jazz. Jeremy Bolton says, sup, What's up? sup, brah. Um, Teddy Wayman says, morning guys should be a good game tonight. Really should be. I mean, I'm actually, I'm really into the NBA right now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm There's all There's something in. about it this year. I, I feel like. I feel like maybe it's because we don't have to deal with the bubble and like it, 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 we, we're we still kind of coming off of the COVID-19 really rough season, you know, oddball timing. Because really, if you think about it, the NBA didn't really have an off season, you know, like when, when they played the bubble super late into the year, they were playing basketball again. Like, what was it, eight weeks after that? I mean, well, we, and just having full buildings, yeah. having big moments. Yeah. You know, like it, it just it feels like the game is back to what we've missed so much. And what we all know and love. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just think I think that's what makes, you know, the NHL is is pretty intimate with the way the fan experience is. But I feel like the NBA is just on that next level of like, you know, just everybody dialed into the game. And when something big happens, the place just explodes. Well, because there's a level of separation in the NHL. They wear helmets. There's glass. Yeah. In the NBA, there's no separation. They're just wearing shorts and tanks. And, uh, you know, you're right on the court. You're right there. You can feel the crowd. So when Jokic got posterized last night, you know. Yeah, that dunk by Markkinen. That was in Denver. Incredible. That was in Bro, Denver. And I want everybody who's watching that highlight needs to understand that was to start the game. That, that was, was the first play first of the game. possession, dude. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland won the game right there. I mean, jeez. Oh, but I, I just am so glad that sports are back. I've missed it so much, and I know that I'm probably, oh, you're just emotional. Honey. Honey. <laughs> um, I, yeah, and you're right. I could be just being emotional. But, but I feel like we all are. Yeah, like, I'm know? really glad that big college football atmospheres are back. I'm glad that big games in the NFL are back. I, it just feels like it, all is right with the world. It feels right again. Like, and this is what I always say about why do we love sports so much? Not to go off onto this tangent, but we've loved sports so much because it is the tie that binds. I mean, um, you know, right now I am in the, the, the cycle of pain as a sports fan. 
You know, like, which is why the Bulls, who are going to let me down, I guarantee it, it's nice to see that the Bulls are actually winning because the Bears are absolute garbage, like trash. Right. The, Anthony Rizzo said he doesn't want to go back to the Cubs. Because it's garbage. Like, who would? You know, just shoot me. Um, you know, like, Notre Dame is average. The Bears are awful. Like, I don't have much to hang on to as Where a sports fan. Yeah, I mean, seriously. And you know what? I, I, I think that's how a lot of us are, you know, and it, it is just to me, it just feels good to have it back. Yeah, it, it no, is. I agree. And I, and I think that, you know, we're, we're in the time of the sports season and every, every dude who watches sports a lot knows this feeling when you're like, all right, got to have the, got to have the remote at the ready because I've got, I've got Monday night football here. I've got a great NHL game over here. But I've look got at the Thursday. NBA, like, like, I'm excited for Packers Cardinals on Thursday night. Oh, I yeah. cannot wait to see J.J. Watt break Aaron Rodgers' face. Even like, if Devontae Adams doesn't play because of COVID protocol, that's still going to be a phenomenal game. Yeah, and I hope that the Packers get blown out. Like, I hate the Packers. Well. Which is why I can't wait for that game. Because I hate the Green Bay Packers. Right. And I'm passionate about them losing, sucking, never winning again in Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. fucking Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers never having another happy moment in his life. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I'm passionate about that. That's every day. So, you know, it's probably too much. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Spencer Morgan says, uh, Hassan Whiteside carried the Jazz versus Sack when Rudy was having a terrible night. But was Rudy having a terrible night, or is that a tough game for him to stay in? I think it's, I, I, I again... I know I'm the guy who started the, you know, hate on Rudy Gobert train all those years ago. I know. but We get it. But I actually don't think it's hating on Rudy Gobert to say that there are some teams that he just does not match up well against. I don't think that that's unfair or being being like Mr. Negative. I, I think you look at that matchup and, and it's not – they don't really have – like Rashawn Holmes is not some seven-foot big. You know, he is a he is a power forward playing center and he he's a young, energetic guy. And, and he that, gave Rudy a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean he dunked on Rudy twice, you know, and, and the other problem, and this is really the, the nuts and bolts of the conversation, the the penetration that teams are getting on the on the jazz lately has been at a really high level. And that's not just a Rudy Gobert problem. Let's be very clear. Like this is not hey, Rudy's not doing a good enough job, or Rudy this or Rudy that. This is a team defense issue. This is a, hey, you know, Bogdanovich is getting torched on the perimeter, and then that's going to lead to Rudy playing help defense, which leaves his man open for an easy look. That's the problem. That's what the Jazz are, are, are facing. So I don't really know how you counteract that other than to say, all right, the trade deadline needs to be useful for this team. I'm not saying that trading bogey has to be a priority. I'm saying that you've got to get better perimeter defense. That has to be the priority for this team. Because if that happens, now you're really a tough team to play with. Because if you can play good perimeter defense or you have a guy that can at least match up with the team's best player, and then that guy can make it hard, and, and by the time you're, you're making it difficult on that guy, by the time he gets to the rim, Rudy's been there. You're not. You're just going to be a really tough defensive team. So right now they aren't that. So that's why I think the trade deadline is so important. That's what I think they need to get because if they get that, they're instantly going to become much better than they are right now. All right, who's the best team in the NBA? NBA.com, ESPN.com, um, Hoops Hype, and I can't remember the other one. Have the Jazz ranked number one in their power rankings? 
Would you agree the Jazz are the best team in the NBA? Because I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't put them number one right I, now. I mean, I just I have trouble saying they're number one, but they're definitely not outside of the top five. I think my again my biggest problem is is that when I look at how they match up with like tonight again against the Nuggets, mm-hmm. perfect example. The Jazz are gonna have to shoot the hell out of three ball to win this game. Like we we need to just own that, and that's who they are, right? I mean, we know that they're good at shooting threes, but. But Jokic is going to have 35 tonight. I, I guarantee it. Like, you can just rubber stamp that. He is not about to have two games in a row where he gets embarrassed. That's just not happening. Guys like him bounce back in a big way. It's the Utah Jazz. Like, he's going to have a big night. So, I just think that what hmm. that means is that you're, like, if you're Rudy Gobert, Rudy's not going to have 20 and 20 tonight. Rudy's going to have 12 and hopefully – 23 but, and 24. But Bowler said the other night that Rudy is in it. Somebody, I, if somebody could get a memo to Craig Bowler, Jack, please. We get it. You think the Olympics were really good for Rudy Gobert. Um, oh, you see, if Craig Bowler, Jack says one more time, oh, he's just so confident coming off of winning that silver. You know, medal. come on guy. Um, here's the thing. I think the jazz right now today should probably be ranked number one. I don't think they're the best team. One, I think their schedule is gift-wrapped. Um, I think when you look at their schedule, okay, what what was it? OKC, Sacramento, um, seven weeks off, and now they play the Denver Nuggets. Seven weeks off. <laughs> um, like, they, they haven't played. When was that Sacramento this, game? This, that Sacramento this stretch, game was, like, Friday? This stretch of games here is their first good test. So, I was looking at I can't – you have it up. Denver, but. and then they go on the road, Houston, Chicago, Milwaukee. So, on a surface level, you're like, hey, like, Houston, they should win. I don't think they're going to beat Houston. I'm just telling you. I don't think they're going to beat Houston. Houston's got a ton of athletic guys. Houston runs their ass off. They get and, after it. And and Houston is not going to be afraid of Rudy Gobert. I can tell you that right now. You've got a guy in Jalen is it Jalen Green, I yep. believe. Yep. You yep. got a guy in Jalen Green that that is happy to dunk on anybody. And that's mainly because he's like six seven, six eight. So I just don't think that the Houston game is some gimme. And then the Bulls are – that is a game that you should win, in my opinion, but that's going to be a tough one, too. That's going to be another – Wait, I'm sorry. I thought you game. said they should beat the Bulls. They should beat the Bulls. But, again – It's the Chicago Bulls. Right. I are get you it. kidding me right now? I get it. Are you kidding me? Let me – can I – they're 4-0. and The Chicago Bulls are 4-0. and Yeah. Why would you say such a – That's thing? quite enough. We get it. Zach Levine – I think Lonzo Ball is playing some of the best point guard in the NBA right now. And Alex Caruso's the odds-on favorite to be the MVP right now. Mm-hmm. Four games in. Just like so, the Jazz are number one, Caruso's the MVP favorite. Here's the thing that worries me about the Rockets in all seriousness. When you look at the guys that play heavy minutes, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. finally looks like he's not a, a, a complete fool. Um, Green, um, Christian Wood. I mean, I, I look at Gordon, um, I mean, House off the bench. Like, they they have young, fast talent. Yeah. That worries me if I'm the, if I'm the Utah Jazz. I don't – I don't – I always worry about that. And then the Bulls, frankly, if, if in all seriousness, if you look at the Bulls and you look at the way DeMar DeRozan's leading that team, he and Zach Levine are the one-twos on that team. Yeah. And you have a pass-first point guard in Lonzo Ball who's passing up open layups to throw alley-oops. 
they're going to be very difficult for the Utah Jazz to handle, especially at United Center. Yeah. Because I don't know how many people are paying attention right now. The United Center's popping for basketball. It's nice to have, again, as a Bulls fan, the United Center is a great building when it's lit. And for the Chicago Bulls, it's lit. And when when you start you start watching the way that they're playing, their defense is suffocating. Their defense they're giving up under a hundred points a game. I think they're giving up ninety eight points a game. Their defense is suffocating. And they have some great big, don't they? No. Okay, got it. I'm not a Vucevic guy. Right, I know you're not. But he can play though. He can. He can shoot. He doesn't have to play inside to beat you. Yeah, I my so this stretch of games is going to be difficult. There's no doubt. I think you know, as a Jazz fan, I wouldn't be surprised if you, you like. I think you're probably you know two potential losses here in the next five to seven games. I think you know, but again, you know that's pretty good odds, right? If you're winning five out of every seven you play, that's you know that's pretty good. Lonzo Ball is averaging 14 points. Six rebounds, five dimes, two steals, two blocks, and just two turnovers a game. That's every day. Through his first four games. Like, they, if they're going to get that out of Lonzo, and by the way, the three-point percentage. It's been really good. He's much improved, and this is why I say guys like Rudy, guys like, you know, uh, anybody in the league, Ben Simmons, no excuse not to, not to make a shot. Lonzo Ball shooting 43% from three. Zach Levine is shooting 44% from three. So obviously that's going to come down, right? Like that's not, that's not Dude. realistic. You know, I mean, obviously small sample size, but I think that, I think that what it goes to show you the, the story that the metrics tell us the numbers, right? What that tells us is that this team likes to get up and down. They play with a lot of pace. They're not scared to play physical yeah. defense and they're going to take the shot. Much like the Jazz, they're going to take the shot. And we talked about this a lot last season, and it's going to be a talking point this season. I'm just telling you now. The Jazz three-point percentage has to be 38 40% as a team for them to win ball oh, games. Oh, it's got to be it's, it's like, got to be solidly 40% like, plus. It's got to be has to it, be. It, it just has to be. And and I think, you know, I give Donovan Mitchell a lot of credit. He worked on extending his range in the offseason, uh, and that's paying dividends. I mean, literally any time Anytime there's a communication mistake at the top of the key or out, like when he's bringing the ball up and they run a pick and roll and the defense miscommunicates, Don's going to knock that down, you know? So, so you kind of come to expect that out of Don, but my question is going to be guys like Bogdanovich, guys like Ingles, guys like Mike Conley. Yeah. Those guys have to knock those shots down for the jazz to be successful. Um, Brood Wars wants to know, aren't you tired of clickbaiting Rudy Gobert as the jazz Achilles heel in every YouTube video? He is you the, post jazz, Achilles about the jazz. He is well, the jazz Achilles heel. I actually don't even think that's what we've said in this conversation. We've said their perimeter defense makes him work very hard. But here's the problem. If you, if you, I mean, we can get into that if you want to get into that. You want he is the Achilles heel of the team. He's getting paid forty million dollars a year. He's a one-dimensional offensive player. I shouldn't have read and, this. Comment. And he just is. That's just not like that's just the facts of the case, dude. If he wasn't on this team, they would have gone further last year. That's just the truth of it. Because you would have played better defense as a team. You would have gotten better looks offensively, and you would have done more. That's just the truth of it. But that's fairyland. Nick Hines says, uh, nice of the NBA to give the Jazz a week off after their two games. Man, the Jazz have a nice schedule. They do. They do. Uh, Eric C. says, Trent Forrest for most improved this year. Brian Clegg says, hey, everybody. What's up, Brian? Good to see you. James Knight says, Jokic will do a lot of pick and pop tonight. There's no let up for him with the upgrade from Faves to Whiteside. See, now that I think is exactly right. Yeah. 
It's a fair that, take. The, to the, James, I think you nailed, nailed it there. When you say the upgrade from Favors to Whiteside, that's what it is. That is what it is. The question is, will the three ball be going down tonight for Jokic? Because if he's making a three, he becomes a very difficult guy to guard because of how skilled he is on, uh, on the pass. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Ramiro says, morning, fellas, crush it. Same to you. Jeremy Bolton says, Chipotle is the ass vacuum to Cafe Rio's butt. Thank you. James Knight says, I feel Terrence Mann comment coming. We don't have to go very far to wind you up on Rudy Gobert. No, you don't. Because I, because here's the thing, and I understand it pisses Jazz fans off, but I just don't think there's any running from it. I think as a Jazz fan, you need to embrace this. Like, like you would be in a better place offensively, and frankly, as a team, if you didn't have Rudy Gobert on the team, if you had a more mobile big, a guy who could play pick and pop, if you had, um, you know, well, Rudy's like, fine if you're if you're the the issue's the number. You're paying him forty one million dollars a year. It it handicaps you. Yeah, it prevents and, you from being complete as a team. Yeah, it prevents you from having better depth. And that that's the single issue. Rudy Gobert at $25 million is great. I mean, he is he's a really good player. At $41 million, he's overpaid and he has to produce. And he's not a guy that, again, I, I my only complaint with Rudy Gobert is that you can't give him the ball with a game on the line and he's your highest paid player. And you can't give him the ball with a game on the line. He cannot dribble. He does not shoot. Well, let's and be honest, though. Most of the time in late games, he's not on the floor. A lot of times he's not on the floor. Like, and I, I think with – with to, and I can't remember who said it, but to with Hassan Whiteside's quality now, there's a real chance he's not going to be on the floor more often. And I think it's, it's going to be something to watch because, frankly, this system is easily the best system and the most comfortable system that Hassan Whiteside's ever played in. Yeah. So he, he, I think that's why you're seeing him. He's just got to get more comfortable. He's got to assimilate more into the defense here, and that's just going to take games and reps. I lose my patience for for the Jazz being awkward offensively from time to time when when Rudy is on the floor because it just happens. It's a natural. It is a natural like thing that takes place in their offense. It's not all the time, but sometimes it does happen, and I think that. Too often, Rudy sets the pick, and then he typically for a big, you would just go down to the block. But Rudy doesn't even do that. Rudy Rudy finds this space between the paint and the weak side corner where he just kind of hangs out. Because people are taking the roll away. Yeah, I know. So People do not want him to get that lob. And that's why I'm saying, like, that's why it's not that I think that Rudy Gobert is some god-awful player. He's a three-time <laughs> defensive player of the year. The guy yeah. is an elite defensive player. There's no doubt about it. We're not talking about the Jazz winning individual awards. We're talking about winning championships, guys. That's what we're talking about. That's so, all that matters at this point. So, you know, like everyone says, oh, well, you love to hate on Rudy. I don't love to hate on anybody. I want them to win a championship, and he's standing in the way. What do you want me to say? Yeah, Greg Hawkins says, I only recently started getting into basketball, and this discussion really helps me get into the NBA, helps me understand the team. So we appreciate that. Teddy Wayman says, well... If ESPN says they are, they must be number one. Obviously. Obvi. Um, Luke Magbuana Dudu. Uh, Mag Who the fuck are you? Banua says Houston, really? Yes. Any team that is young, look at the Timberwolves last year. Any team that is young and athletic is going to be difficult for the Jazz to handle. End of story. That's where it stops. 
young athletic teams that attack the basket from the perimeter are going to be hard for the Jazz to handle. Um, Brood Wars says your YouTube thumbnail disagrees with what you just said. Okay, so you interpreted it as Rudy Gobert is the Jazz fatal flaw. That's not what we said the Jazz fatal flaw was. So maybe that's on you, Brood Wars, with all due respect. Jazz hold first two opponents to 86 and 101, but defense is bad. Okay, so I don't think there's anybody who watched their first two games who feels like, I mean, hell, when Craig Bowlerjack is saying you got to figure out how to keep guys out of the paint. Which he did many times. You, your defense is, your the listen, the Jazz have played two, and let's not forget who their first two opponents are. The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Sacramento Kings, both of whom are going to fight to make the playoffs. Let's not, A, let's be real honest about that. B, they struggled to keep their guards, Oklahoma City and Sacramento's guards, out of the paint. Like De'Aaron Fox, if he could make a layup, the Jazz may have lost that game. But the guy missed like 76 layups in that game. The Jazz weakness, their fatal flaw, is absolutely their inability, especially in the starting five, to keep perimeter players out of the paint. And it led to a lot of Buddy Heald drive and kick threes. It, it Against teams like Denver, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think Michael Porter Jr. last year he, here at, at the Delta Center. I miss calling it the Delta Center. Seriously. The Vivint is Viv, the Viv, Vivint. Vivint Smart Home Arena that's no longer Smart Home Arena. It's just, it can be awkward at times. But anyway, my point is, um, I think when you look at the Jazz, it, there's no doubt that Michael Porter Jr. is a tough matchup for them. Tell me who, who Boyan Bogdanovich guards tonight. I don't know. I think that's why I said Eric Pascal is a really important figure tonight because they're going to need him to be physical and play defense. Um, I think Aaron Gordon, a guy that sh shoots the three and gets to the basket, is difficult for the Jazz to handle. And I think when you start putting all of that together with, uh, you know, Will Barton's actually healthy, Monty Morris is actually healthy, like, it's a tough combination for the Jazz. Matchup-wise, it's not ideal. Yeah. So are the Jazz a bad defensive team? Absolutely not. Do the Jazz have one major issue defensively, which is their starting five does not move laterally well? Um, I mean, Mike Conley, I think it's a good defender. Donovan is learning and a willing defender who's getting better every, pretty much every game. But you look at Royce O'Neal is no longer, and I don't know that he's ever been, but he's no longer a great defensive player. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, like you're just slower offensively or slower defensively, and you're willing to give that up because all of those guys contribute offensively outside of Royce, but all those guys contribute offensively. But to believe that this team's elite defensively is completely wrong. With with all due respect, they're not elite defensively. Yeah, And their first two opponents, thankfully, were the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Sacramento Kings. But tonight, and I think on this road trip um, – you know, you're going to see a bunch of athletic teams. Don't forget, you're also going to Milwaukee on this trip. So, you know, you're you're going to have your hands full is is what I'm saying. Uh, Utah Jazz fan from India says, LOL, Tyler, so true. So Tyler's point was the Jazz hold their first two opponents to 86 and 101. Is it impressive to hold the Oklahoma City Thunder to 86 points? Well, it is. But is it is it really like, oh, my God, they're locked down defensively? 
it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. Let's not forget they're not very good at all. Here's the thing. The topics that we're talking about on the show, like you can make the case that, yeah, sure, they're a great defensive team. They held those two teams to basically under 100 points. Okay, great. That's fine. Like I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, if you watch the game, you wouldn't be disagreeing with us. You would you would know exactly what we're talking about. And again, go back. This is the greatness of YouTube. You want to you want to you want to fact check us? Go back. Watch all our videos last year on the Jazz. Find a place where we were wrong about something because it hasn't happened yet. And and I and I'm not trying to be boisterous about what we're able to do on this show, but we're pretty damn good on the Jazz. And the things that we're telling you will come true. They will. You will tonight. See Boyan Bogdanovich get beat one-on-one with somebody going to the basket. It will happen. Then you'll see him go down to the other end and beat that same guy on the block because he's bigger and more physical than that guy. That's how that's how Boyan plays. But that's the trade-off. I mean, if, if you look at, you know, like, like I just think it's – I there's no scenario where you're better without Rudy Gobert on the floor defensively. Mm-hmm. There's no scenario. The problem is he's the perfect example of the trade-off you make to be good defensively, bad offensively. Well, then you flip it with your other four guys, and they're all average defenders that are pretty good de- uh, offenders. So whether it's Boyan, whether it is Joe. I mean, Joe Ingles struggles defensively now, and you're seeing that. He's a role player. And he's still shooting the three at an incredibly high percentage. But defensively, he's he's not going to have a lot of minutes in some games because he doesn't have a defensive matchup. And I think that's the the big the bigger question. This is a good, not great team right now. But ev- nobody knows who you are, right? Because nobody here, be- I don't think anyway, because I know the two of us don't, but they're not going to be this team when we get to March. Yeah. When the trade deadline is coming gone, this roster is going to look different. And that's what I'm excited about. I want to see, like, the, if, if we learn nothing this offseason, it, it, is, it is, you know, it's that the front office is going to be aggressive. And, and I think that, you know, we, we catch a lot of heat for saying that Joe Ingles won't be here once the trade deadline passes, and I truly believe that. And, and if I'm wrong, I, I cool. But I just don't think that this roster is going to be is going to be the same as it is now because there's a lot of trade potential built into this roster. Yeah. Uh, Tyler P says jazz can't afford to mess with rotations. They are far better than the majority of teams in the league. Well, I also think I would prioritize. I would prioritize health over winning the best record in the NBA, as we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I want, I want Quinn Snyder to play 10 guys every night. And by the way, on the, they're far better than most teams in the league. I don't know that I agree with that. I think last year, they were very fortunate that many teams in the league had a ton of injuries, especially in the Western Conference. You look at, you know, you look at the Lakers, you look at the Nuggets. I mean, you, you look at the Warriors, like you're talking about, you look at the Clippers, you're talking about a bunch of these contenders who were banged up. And now this year they're healthy. So this year you're going to get a real good look at who, who the Jazz can beat and who they can't based on the way they play the game. Well, I think that's why the Jazz won the the – the best the, the Jazz won the best record in the NBA last year because they were the best team in the NBA, and I'm not a big fan of talking about injuries because I just think everybody had injuries last year. There were just too many games, but I mean it, it's the only it's the it's the only thing that equalizes teams last year was the injuries, right? Because every team had a 
pretty much everybody but Milwaukee had a star that was out. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, you know, this Jazz team is good. There's no, there's no need to spin it. The Utah Jazz are a, are a good basketball team. They're not, in my opinion, right now today, I don't think they're a top five team in the NBA. I, I don't. I think that you have – I don't know what the Lakers, the Nets, the Clippers – there's so many elite teams that we don't know who they are. And, like, again, I don't know that you know who the Jazz are. You're projecting forward to, like, have this conversation about the best or whoever teams. But what I'm telling you is – is that this Utah Jazz team, if they make moves at the deadline, they have a legitimate shot to win a championship. Agreed. You just have to get – you have to do what Denver did in Aaron Gordon. You need to go get an athletic wing who can defend and who can attack the basket and finish. That's what this team is so thirsty for. Like, yeah. if you had a Zach Levine on this team, if I mean, if you had – you know, got think of guys that were available last year, the Bradley Beals of the world, the Zach yeah. Levines, the you need a dynamic wing player to go with Donovan Mitchell. That's what you need. Because this roster as it's currently constructed is not championship material. It just isn't. And I again, just to to make sure that we're all clear, I don't think they win a championship with Rudy Gobert on the roster. I think the contract is just too much. Yeah. I think it's too limiting. You can't go with this current roster situation, the salary cap situation. You can't go add a big deal because now you're going to become a, you know, a, a repeat offender of the luxury tax. And I just don't think Ryan Smith is going to pay that. I don't think it's smart to pay that. Not at least at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, you know, like you, you have got to find a, you've got to find a wing who can go and attack the basket and, and play defense. That that's what you need. Um, Louis Diaz says waiting for Jazz and Bulls game. Cannot wait for that. Yeah, it's gonna be a great game. Yep. Uh, Eric C says Royce is the team's Achilles heel. Well, right now he is. I think Royce O'Neal is. I don't understand why Jazz fans value Royce O'Neal so much. We we tend to wind up on this very conversation a lot. Royce O'Neal is just a guy. He's just a guy. You can plug and play almost anybody into that spot and get the same production. I mean, if I'm the Jazz, I, why are you not starting Trent Forrest there? I mean, he's Trent Forrest has gotten so much better defensively. See, everybody wants to talk about Trent Forrest as an offensive player. You want to, you want to develop a guy? Play Royce O'Neal 15 minutes a night and give Trent Forrest every one of his minutes. That's what I'd be doing because how much worse can Trent Forrest shoot than, than Royce O'Neal? I don't think it's physically possible to be to to shoot worse than Royce O'Neal. I truly think if they put you in a Jazz uniform, you'd shoot a higher percentage than Royce O'Neal. Yeah, kid you not. Based I, on my Vaza fitness experience, I I agree that Royce Royce has that innate ability um, in in certain situations to get a key rebound, to deflect a key pass, to. But how many air balls are we going to see Royce O'Neal shoot from three? How many times are we going to watch Royce's guy blow right by him on defense? You want to talk about developing a guy? Play Trent Forrest instead of Royce O'Neal, and then let's go talk about let's go talk about upside potential on somebody. But they'll never. They, Quinn Snyder would never do that. No. And I. But again, that's I'm why I not say, a, a Royce the, guy at all. The trade deadline is super important. That's why I say guys, guys like 
Royce and 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 Joe and and Bogey, like these are all guys who other teams would value, and and that's how you have to look at the trade deadline. It it almost has, it almost has nothing to do with like who the Jazz want to trade. It has everything to do with who the Jazz want to acquire and what that price is going to be. Yep, that's how you have to look at. Because my fear is that you're going to have to trade Boyan Bogdanovich to make a significant addition. To yeah, the and roster. that that would be a significant loss. That that I I don't know that I'm even I I don't know that I want this team to trade right or uh, to trade Bogey. I, I I think that he is he's extremely valuable because he is capable of of giving you thirty a night. And he's growing a bit as a go as a dribble drive guy. He he he's still not smooth. There's no doubt about that. Um, but when Royce O'Neal plays bully ball, or excuse me, why don't I don't know? It's Tuesday. When Boyan Bogdanovich plays bully ball, I mean they're a better team. Yeah. Uh, the Jazz have not been a good defensive team since 2018 before they shook up the roster to bring in shooting. I agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. They are adequate defensively with Rudy on the floor. Spencer Morgan says. But if they can eliminate or reduce the huge drop-off when Rudy leaves the floor and just be average in non-Rudy minutes, that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing totally to, right. to do that, though, I, I think, again, that this whole conversation around athleticism, because that's the word, athleticism, that, like, they just need more athletes on the roster. You need more guys. It's like, it's why Jared Butler is such an exciting acquisition for them out of the draft, because he is an athlete. He can defend his position. He's great, you know, with the ball in his hands, one on one. Like he can do some things. Yeah. And 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 I would love to see them like the Rockets. Like Jalen Green, he is a freak athlete, right? Like guys of his ability and his caliber athletically don't just fall off trees. But it is it, 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 you can go and find guys to supplement this roster to to you know get Royce out of the starting five or to make any kind of adjustment that that you would want to make. But my main point in all of this is just to say that the Jazz inability to keep teams out of the paint is their true Achilles heel. It's just it, – and that is not an indictment on Rudy Gobert. Yes, I think Rudy has some issues, as I've said, but I think as a team the Jazz just have to get better defensively. Like, over, overall, all, all, all of them together playing team defense, it just has to get better. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see – I wonder who gets moved. I, I, I really do. I wonder who gets moved, and I wonder how that comes together because – Anybody that's an athletic wing player in this league is going to come at a premium. Yeah. You are going to have to give up. You, and you had to just get. make that decision. I mean, yeah. are are you like if if you went and tried to get some great wing player are in the team, you know, that you're trying to acquire him from is like, "Hey, we want Bogey and a pick." Are you good with that? That's that's a tough yeah. call. Yeah, we'll see. Real quick, uh Tyler P says package Royce and Joe for Harrison Barnes. Well, the Kings aren't going to do that deal. Um, but see, I think that kind of package for the jazz is what you're probably looking at. Like you're looking at like some kind of combination like that, but yeah, I, I would, again, this is the other hard part. Harrison, Harrison Barnes is playing the best basketball of his career. Yeah. He was right knocking now. it down against the jazz. He's not 30 yet and he's making $20 million a year. And so he's in high demand if the, if the Kings trade him and I, I'm sure teams will call on, on the Kings for Harrison Barnes, but Boy, that's going to be rough. Um, you know, I, 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 I like the way you're thinking there. Um, Didn't Harrison Barnes win a championship with the Warriors? Or he leave before they Dallas. Did that? Was it Dallas? Did he win in Dallas? Okay, now we got to look Google it machine. up. God darn it. Dad gummit. Now we got to look it up. Um, 
but yeah, Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes was in demand at the deadline last year. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Harrison Barnes from yes, Ames, Iowa won an NBA championship with the, with the Golden State Warriors. You're welcome. You're th- th- thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yes, okay. Okay. Um Harrison Barnes <laughs> the, if, do you know what Harrison Barnes nickname is? Uh no, I don't. Actually. The Black Falcon. Really? His name is the Black Falcon. That's one of the best nicknames. That's a pretty legit nickname dude. in all of sports. That's all fire. right, make sure you uh, give us a thumbs up right now on the show, please. Helps the channel grow. Also, if you could hit subscribe, we're giving away this Xbox Series S when we get to 3,000 subscribers. Um, should be about two weeks away at this point, so uh, make sure you get on the train for that. All you have to do is hit subscribe, take a photo that you're subscribed, and then tag us on either Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, The Monty Show, or SLC Supercars. Uh, interesting performance out of the New Orleans Saints last night. Mm-hmm. Let's talk top five, bottom five teams in the NFL, the National Football League. On the Monty show. Yeah. Um, are you a believer in the New Orleans Saints? Um, not quite. I have my reservations about Jameis Winston. I think that Jameis well, Winston is a guy who showed he's got a huge arm. I do think he's improved, but I don't think that the Saints are like, you know, some amazing team right now. I think they're a middle of the road team. Dude, that play last night where, and if you didn't see it, <laughs> Jameis Winston fumbled the ball. It was sitting on the ground. He picked it up and threw a touchdown pass to Alvin Kamara. Like, like that's classic Jameis Winston. That's the kind of thing that happens for him. But they're really good defensively. Yeah. I mean, they are – the New Orleans Saints, to me, are that team at 4-2 and two that they're just – they make too many mistakes to win a championship. Yeah. Um, but I don't think – you know, if, if you had to ask me my top five teams right now, it would have to be the Bears, obviously, be the best team in the league. Of course. I mean, they're obviously the best team in the league, right? <laughs> of course. No, they're not. <laughs> um, I think I would have to go. Are the Green Bay Packers one of the top five teams in the NFL? Uh, they're a fringe team. Like pa- Packers or Bengals? Uh, oh, you gotta, you have to go with the Packers. Packers or Cowboys? Um, mm, Cowboys. Packers or Rams? Rams. The best team in the NFL is the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. The second best team in the NFL is the LA Rams. The third best team in the NFL, I think, is probably the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. The, I, I, yeah. Tampa yeah. or Baltimore? God, that's tough, dude. I know. But um, that's my point. So when you're talking about... So I'm looking at... so. ESPN put their power rankings ESPN. out and, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, this is, this list is kind of jacked, right? Okay. We all agree. <laughs> the Cardinals are seven and oh, they're the best team in the league right now. Yeah. Like that's just easy. But then I look at who ESPN has number two and they have the bucks number two in the league. And I don't know that I'm ready to say that yet. Like they're top five, but number two, uh, not quite sure yet. Uh, I look at the other teams that are, that are right around them. You have this group, you've got the bucks, the Rams, the Packers all at six and one. See, I just don't put the Packers. I don't put the t- the Packers as a top f- like being a top five team. I think there are teams playing elite football right now today. The Buffalo Bills or the Green Bay Packers. The Buffalo Bills are the four Buffalo and two. Bills. Their defense is just stifling. Yeah, the Buffalo. In my opinion, the Bills are better because their defense can travel and win no matter where they play 
and no matter what conditions they play in. So look at this grouping of teams, though, because I this is where I think it gets really fascinating with the power rankings in the NFL right power now. Power rankings. Power! Um, so <laughs> the Packers are at 6-1. and one, The Bills are at 4-2. and two, And then you've got the Cowboys at 5-1. and one. To me, to me, of those three teams, I would go Dallas, then the Bills, then the Packers, because I feel like, you know, the, the Packers have been a bit inconsistent. Now, they, they lost in week one or whatever it was. They won like five in a row now. But I just, there's something about the Packers where I'm like, uh, it's not just that I hate them. It's that I don't feel like they're as good they're, as some of these other their teams. Their defense is susceptible. Yeah. It's always, they they had, they, that's just the way their defense has been. And now with Devontae Adams having COVID. Yeah. Their defensive coordinator also has COVID. Um, man, I, I, I think... I don't. I probably overvalue the Dallas Cowboys um, because I think Ezekiel Elliott's playing incredible football. Yeah, man, Dak. They're. I mean, they're. They're playing. Well, I football. think that the big question is Dak's injury. Yeah. You know, like is I mean, this think, is he hurt or is this just like he's maintenancing this ankle? I think foot it's thing. a maintenance thing. That's what I think it is. But we'll, well see. If we'll that's see. the if that's the case, I, I I think the Dallas Cowboys. I'd put them fourth. Yeah. And I think I'd put the the Bengals fifth. The Bengals, the Ravens, and the Titans are all five and two. The Titans, the Titans to me, are a gimmick. There's something wrong. They're a gimmick. It's yeah. Derrick Henry and everybody else. So I kind of cross them off. But the Bengals, what I have trouble with with the Bengals is that you're getting spectacular play after spectacular play out of Jamar and Joe. That's my problem. Well, Joe Mixon's playing good football too, though. I mean, he's I mean, he's he's multifaceted. He's catching the ball and running the ball. Yeah, but right? I mean, yes, but at the same time, like I feel like. I, what I love to see out of a of, out of a great football team, like the Cardinals, for example, the Cardinals are able to beat teams in many different ways, not just with the big play. So, like yeah. Kyler Murray is able to to deliver the football and make that and get that consistent yardage, so they're constantly ahead of the sticks, right? Whereas I look at the Bengals and I'm like, you've you've basically got a really young guy quarterback. He's not a rookie, obviously. This is year two, but he missed most of year one. So technically still in his first 16-game window in the NFL. So to me, you're still a rookie, in my opinion, based on game experience. And then you've got Jamar Chase, who makes big play after big play. And I'm like, okay, at some point, a defense is going to take Jamar Chase away. At but some they're point, already putting a man a man over on him. And he, I guess. The, I mean, thing, yeah. the thing is, and, and I don't look at Joe Burrow as a rookie. I don't. I, I think Joe Burrow is comfortable, calm. I mean, you want to talk about a guy with balls like this guy? Yeah, just, there's no doubt he's got he's, it. It's just he's this. a stud. But and why is he a stud? Because he's allowing Jamar Chase to outrun the man over. Yeah. And then he puts it out in front of him. You know, he he like to me they're just in sync, and they're also getting a high level of play out of their tight ends. Do you they're, think the Bengals have have staying power? Can they keep? Doing I do. What they're doing. They got to stay healthy. Joe Mixon's an injury concern. Um, I mean, can you protect Joe Burrow? God, no, you know, the answer's I mean, been no. <laughs> like, I, I so yeah, I do think they have staying power. You know, ask me. It, it's week to week. That's why we do this segment every week. But it's yeah. week to week. You know, right now I would say the Bengals do have staying power. I, I just think that if you're going to be an elite NFL team, you have to have one of the best quarterbacks and you have to have one of the best defenses. What do you, so with that in mind? Because I love that you say that. Where, where are you at on the Chiefs? Like, where are we at on this team right now? This is not the same. This is not the same team. The Kansas City Chiefs are not the same team we've known. Patrick Mahomes, it used to be 
that Patrick Mahomes was a guy you were like, oh, they're going to win because of Patrick Mahomes, and it's not the case anymore. It's the Patrick Price. It, it, it we, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you're well. <laughs> you know what? The Patrick Price is not as as valuable as it used to be. Just they're not playing good football right now, and it, and a lot of it is, I think, they're probably just tired. Yeah. You get to a point where you contend for and play in Super Bowl after Super Bowl and conference championship after conference championship and it it, it just takes a, a toll on football fucking hurts man like you get hit in football every single day <laughs> yeah I, I i mean it hurts yeah. and that's why you see a lot of veterans that don't practice you know tuesday wednesday thursday they practice friday walk through saturday play on sunday that's what the league is becoming and now that you have 17 games like this lot. is a very difficult league to excel in yeah and it's, you know, like, that's why I say, like, with these top five teams, I mean, there's literally eight teams that could be the top five teams in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and the bottom half of the bracket is not that difficult. No, I mean, it's not. It, yeah, I, I think I think the amazing thing is these two win teams. I mean, Joe Flacco getting traded from the Eagles to the Jets. Good luck. Good luck, Joe. Congratulations. Uh, like, the, the New York Jets are one in five. And you They're got traded the the league, from the Eagles to the Jets. Yeah. The yeah. worst team in football wants you. Uh, the worst team in football is the Detroit Lions, there's no doubt. Um, and then I look at, I think the Miami Dolphins are the second worst team. Why haven't you made the Deshaun Watson trade? Don't know, man. I don't know. You're not going to win big with Tua. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are the third worst team in the NFL. I feel like that situation's starting to inch its way at a snail's pace getting better like they're not they're not like week over week just some ridiculous turnaround but we're not hearing the world burning to the ground controversy because they anymore. play defense yeah the jacksonville jaguars play defense the problem is that you're young everywhere on offense and so you're not going to score they've only scored 127 points or excuse me 116 points yeah their defense is fine. Their offense is just garbage. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Houston's probably the fourth worst team. And then I got to think the New York Jets are right there. It's the, those are the five worst teams yeah. in the NFL. And it's not close. Because after that, you're looking at, like, the Giants, you know, the, the Washington football team, the Eagles, basically the, uh, that well, whole division. You know, but call me crazy. What about the 49ers at two and four? There, I saw a thing on Twitter last night that I thought was – I don't know that I agree with it, but I think it's interesting. So this whole concept of Jimmy G's not getting it done, but but Trey Lance isn't ready or he's hurt, and and they haven't been good outside of the Super Bowl year. And no. I'm a guy who says, okay, but, we, but how are we just going to skip over the fact that they won a Super Bowl, right, in terms of Kyle Shanahan's seat being hot? Like, I think that we have to ask the question of, how long is the leash for Kyle Shanahan? How long does the brass of the 49ers sit here and say, man, we're just kind of mediocre right now. We're not because that's the worst place to be in sports, right? Like you're 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 a team that on paper at the beginning of the season was a Super Bowl contender. I remember having those conversations. I remember the media talking about it. This team was a Super Bowl contender before week one started. Now they're nothing. I mean, you're you're done. You're two and four. Like you would have to like greatly turn this thing around. So the question is going around Twitter right now. You know, are you going to trade Jimmy G? Are you going to make a move? 
is Trey Lance actually a viable option in the next two seasons to be a full-time NFL starting quarterback? And if none of, if none of those take place, how 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 long does Kyle Shanahan have left? Well, you haven't won a Super Bowl since 1994. Let's get that right. I mean, you went to the yeah, Super Bowl in 2019 it. and lost to Kansas City. That's a damn good team, though, dude. Like that is. But the problem is, you haven't been close to that in the last year and a half. And the way they're playing now, the decision to draft Trey Lance is now shaping your success and failure. Right. And I think you've not been able to replicate the success that you had through the Jim Harbaugh years. You haven't, now that you have Kyle Shanahan, you haven't really lived up to what you would hope to be as the San Francisco 49ers. And a lot of that is on Jimmy Garoppolo. You took a, a, a gamble and it did not pay off. And whether it's that he's been hurt or he's just been a shitty quarterback, I just don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy that's going to take you to the next level. But here's the bad news. You also went the Trubisky route and drafted a guy that is unproven in college. Yep. And he's proving to be not ready on by any measure in the NFL. Yep. And they're not very good. So then with all that said, what do you make of this of this Aaron Rodgers finishing his career there? You know, TB12 has also mentioned that. Like, well, Tom Brady's going to retire a Tampa Bay Buck. I don't think there's – or his last – he may go and retire a Patriot. I don't know. But he's not going to San Francisco to play um, – to be their starting quarterback and win Super Bowls. I just don't see any way that happens. Yeah. Um, but I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Hey, real quick before we move on because we're short on time today. Um, somebody paid a million dollars for Michael Jordan's, uh, shoes from his rookie year. Okay. Over a so million Jordan dollars. Ones. Help me understand why people are so excited for memorabilia. I am not a big memorabilia guy. Um, you are looking at the extent, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you're looking at the extent of my, excuse me, memorabilia collection. Um, like I, I'm not paying a million bucks for anybody's no. former shoes. No. And I own a hundred pairs of Air Jordans and Air Force not Air, Air or Air Max nineties and I'm a shoe guy. I ain't paying a million bucks for nothing. What is the fascination with autograph merchandise? I think it I think for some people, um, you know, they they are like, Man, like Michael Jordan touched this and signed this and you know what releases at eight o'clock? Oh, there we go. Oh, there's a big Jordan release today. But my point just is, is that I think people, people fantasize, they storytell. They're like, oh my goodness, like, like Jordan signed this or Jordan These wore shoes. this or like, you know, and, and that's fine. Like if that's your thing, that's cool, but yeah. you're not going to catch me spending a million dollars on used, you know, Jordan ones that Jordan wore. I'm just, that that's Can't just not see doing it. And you know, up that alley, not that it's nearly the same thing. Cause it's not, it's completely different worlds. But in, to me in that same light, you know, that's why I've never been a big gambler, like, you know, memorabilia or any of that stuff. Like it just has never been my thing because I, at the end of the day, you know, what are you, what are you really paying for? Like with those shoes, they're going to sit on the shelf or in a but, case. But this is what my wife said the other day. Like NFTs, non-fungible tangerines. I just don't understand them. So yeah. to, to me, I, I, it's hard for me to have I think people, I think people get caught up in waves. And I think people get excited um, about Michael Jordan wore these shoes. I got to have them. Yeah. You know, like 
okay, like if I'm spending a million bucks on, is it an investment? I guess. I would think not. Uh, like, are they going to go up in value? I, I don't know, man. I would think not. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. But I think that, that, yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely situations where you can flip memorabilia for profit. There's no doubt about that. But I think when you're paying a million dollars to repair shoes, Money's maybe probably I'm, not your I'm biggest naive. problem. Yeah, well, that's not, yeah, for sure that. But then secondly, like, I think maybe, maybe I'm just a little naive in thinking that you'd be able to, you know, up that value and get 1.1, let's say, or whatever, you know. Okay. All right. Uh, can we talk about the Pop-Tart lawsuit, please? Yeah. Because this is amazing to me. Yeah. Kellogg's is being sued for $5 million. Not one or two or three or four. $5 million. Right. Over the fact that their strawberry Pop-Tarts aren't strawberry. This case is empty. Anita Harris filed a $5 million lawsuit in the Southern District of Illinois, arguing that Kellogg's sales company is misleading consumers by promoting the breakfast pastry Pop-Tarts, um, giving an impression that the fruit filling contains a greater relative absolute amount of strawberries than it does. In reality, the company's frosted strawberry toaster pastries contain 2% or less of dried strawberries, pears, apples, and red 40, according to its nutritional label. <laughs> Harris claims the Pop-Tarts, quote, cannot provide a true strawberry taste since it's overwhelmed by significant amounts of pears and apples. Schemers trying to control their little world. And I want $5 billion because of that. The lawsuit goes on to cite the Illinois Consumer Fraud and Deceptive Business Practices, which says deceptive acts such as false pretense, promises, misrepresentations, or the concealment, suppression, or omission of material fact is unlawful. Wow. Now, here's here's my suggestion. Wow. Maybe just don't buy the Pop-Tarts. You're a douche. Right? Like, how hard is this? If you don't like the Pop-Tart, don't buy it. Buy the cinnamon one that's better anyway, right? Like, I am amazed by this. I don't understand. I don't understand why people want to sue for $5 million over strawberry Pop-Tarts. But it's not just this lady. And hi, I'm here. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mrs. Monty. <laughs> Hello. But it's not just the person who filed it. It's a class action. Right, it's a bunch of people. Yeah. And and my first reaction was exactly the same. Like, what do you think you were going to get? It's a pop tart. It's not. You're really buying this because it's your fruit content. They needed strawberries and fiber and stuff. Yeah. I don't think they were doing it for health reasons, but I do think that when it comes down to it, you said it was strawberry and it's less than 2% yeah. of strawberry. So I don't think you can really call it strawberry. I don't know. Stop. But really. Stop it. Are you being serious? I, it's a pop tart. This it, is a dessert item that's repackaged. No, for Jake, breakfast. It's, it's junk food. It's breakfast. Please, no. it's the breakfast of champions. It is the I, junk I, food. I never of got into pop tarts. I've By the way, you in my life, but I never, got, never into got into pop tarts. I never really got into them. Now, oh my god, the the when I was a kid, I'm fat. Okay, <laughs> let's just be honest. When I was a kid, my my mom would buy us the Jewel grocery store brand. Pop-Tarts? Oh, my God. I, like, Chubbs McGahee, bro. <laughs> like, pop, what, like, there's got to be um, Pop-Tart flavors. I yeah, mean, like, double chocolate. 
I the double chocolate with like the chocolate icing on it and the chocolate filling See, and, and, yeah, and the I chocolate crust. I, I got I got cold ass cereal every day. So right, because your mom doesn't love you. Okay, but well, when yeah. you look at when you look at like they even make a Mister E flavor pop tart. I don't know what that is, but banana cream pie pop tarts sound amazing. They sound like flavoring. Yeah. Right, but I like banana cream and I'm fat. So they I want to the eat them. They are the junk food of breakfast. Okay, wait. Here's puke. Yeah, no, it doesn't make me want to puke. But here's the one that everybody likes. Pumpkin spice Pop-Tarts. <sighs> Sold out. Bandwagon. Right? But Pretty no, much. seriously. So the best are the frosted brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts. It ain't even close. It is not even close. I don't claim to be an expert on this. I don't. Like, I don't. Yeah. Am I the only one that likes Pop-Tarts? I don't know. Like, I, I can't say that I've I had a lot like of I was never like a big... Pop tart, like they're okay. I think we got some when we were kids. Oh my god, you're they're crazy. just not good for you. Like this is junk food, and you shouldn't be oh, feeding. Right, but we're not. That's why we eat Doritos. Well, we don't eat Doritos. Because it's but right. It's why we eat chips. They're not good for you, but they taste good. Yeah, that's why we're not eating chips. Why do we, I really why, don't care if you think it's sus? It is sus, totally sus. Why do we eat Oreo cookies? Because they're <laughs> we not good for be you. Eating Oreo, but cookies. I don't. We haven't had Oreos in like two months. And we've lost you a bunch of weight. You don't eat Oreos because they're good for you. You eat them because they taste good. And that's why you eat Pop-Tarts, yeah. jerk. But but the people in this lawsuit are trying to sit here and say that they're not getting their fruit content for the day. Toasted s'mores flavor Pop-Tarts, <laughs> like, Giggity says. Like, the, these people. Eric C.'s sister says s'mores Pop-Tarts. What do you know? All of a sudden, s'mores Pop-Tarts are Jake's favorite flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Eric C.'s wife has a has a YouTube account now? Really, I thought I, I thought I saw a thing there. Eric's sister is that to Eric's sister now? Or okay, uh, Giggity says, "Bro, toasted fruit pop tarts with some butter on the top was my go-to." <laughs> <laughs> and we wonder By why way, we have diabetes in this country. No, we have diabetes because you. Do you know how easy it is to eat 500 calories of peanut butter? Oh yeah. Oh my god. I want it. Do you know how easy it is to eat a thousand calories worth of peanut butter on a on a PB and J? Easy. But Fat. I, I, and and admittedly, one of the things that's really helped me lose weight is not eating peanut butter. Right. It's made a huge difference. Like I now working out seven days a week and eating really well and counting calories helps too. Being in a calorie deficit, et cetera. It's so easy to eat like way more calories than you realize. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Girlfriend. So, Eric so, C's girlfriend has. Okay. So let, let you me. You have a girlfriend? We have six minutes left, and really we have five minutes left. But, we do. But yes. let me propose this question. So is it bad that in my apartment, my fridge is basically like empty? I've got like a bag of chicken, a bag of rice, and vegetables in the fridge. I've got protein in the cupboard and oatmeal on the counter. <laughs> That's about a is single guy's kitchen. <laughs> like, like, James Jensen says, I eat what I want, I just don't pig out. That's, well, and, okay. and moderation is important. Hey, 3,000 calories or less is my number. Yeah, I mean, you know. Is what it is. I think you probably need to diversify a little bit. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's not a you know, yeah. But, I mean, you have Rockstar in your fridge, too. Monster, yeah. Monster. Oh, that's right. You're a monster. Yeah, guy. monster. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. I yeah. don't, I mean, I, you're single. Like, it's not like you have to have a diversity of stuff. And yeah. you don't like cereal. No, I'm not a big cereal guy. So, well, but I just are different. But I yeah. just got you eating. Um, I just got you eating oatmeal like two months ago. Yeah, I tried get rice cakes, rice cakes, please. Cakes, 
as our as our guy, you know, Mark Asher in Phoenix would say, rice cakes. Yeah. So. Okay, last topic, really quick. Got to blaze through it. Least favorite place to call in for customer service. AT and T Wireless. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close. I hate it. I'm telling you, I am an AT and T guy. I, I love Direct TV. Oh. Direct TV. If you're gonna buy TV, Direct TV is the only thing to do. But I'm telling you right now, AT and T is is. Oh. I truly believe if you walk into the president of the board of AT&T, it's going to be Satan. It, the guy will have horns and a tail, and he'll strike you down. Like, Nazis. Yeah, exactly. I hate AT&T as a company. AT&T Wireless. There, I mean, it's tragic. That whole fuck. That, I'm, mm. By the way, somebody said we said too many F-bombs yesterday. Wow. So they turned it off. It is what it is, man. It, it, it is. Wait. Did they count? Is there a... Did they count? There was there a threshold? Like, can you say five, but not 10? Yeah, he said uh, it was a YouTube comment that said, I love your show, but too many F-bombs. Bye. I was like, okay, good luck. It, it is know. what it is, man. Like, we've been over this. Uh, Giggity says AT&T was terrible when they took over DirecTV is when I dropped DirecTV. Oh, you sh- DirecTV is amazing. But yeah, I hate AT&T. Yeah. Why? What? So you had a DirecTV issue so, yesterday. So, you know, last night I was like, man, I, I just want to watch some hockey. I just, I just want to, and I don't have NHL center ice and it's only like 10 bucks a month. It's not expensive. Right. So I'm like, all right, cool. Let's call direct TV and see if I can't get this hooked up. So I call them and you know, because we're in pandemic times, of course, customer service isn't open. So I get, so I get Lydia, the rando on the phone working out of her basement and the dogs barking in the background. And she's like, she's like, yeah. So, you know, apparently you're like, my account was apparently past due. I'm guessing this had to do with. Because my change debit cards and all that. And I did not auto pay that. I do auto pay it. That's the problem. Okay. They don't send me paper billing, so I have no idea that my my thing was passed due. So I okay. You, so you, I, you check your email. They don't send me emails. They don't. I did check they, my email they, last they night. They either have even to know. send you a paper bill I, or they have to send you well, an email. Whatever. Maybe I don't check my do, mail. Maybe. Enough, but, oh. But oh. Is what it is, dude. It is what it is. The facts. The facts of the matter are. Facts of the matter are, I never got an account number, never got a password for my account. They had no way to access my account because I signed up online or uh, I signed up over the phone. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm not past due anymore. I paid the bill. It's fine. The point is, is that I hate calling DirecTV because you wind up getting the runaround. So like, you know, I get off the phone because they can't help me. And there's a chat bot on DirecTV's website. So I'm like, all right, last ditch effort. I'll chat bot these people. And they actually wound up being like super helpful. Yeah, they connect you to somebody. By the way, yeah. By the way, um, we don't have time to talk about paying somebody to hang your Christmas lights. You should. The it's best not company. Worth the pain. The best company to call for customer service, by far, hands down, not even a question. Yeah. American Express. Yeah, they're pretty good. E- easy. Them and Apple, you can text with Apple. It's amazing. Yeah. By far, if you are not an American Express customer, you should become an American Express customer. And Jake, you should play the music. Because we have a shoe auction to lose right now. Yeah. Um, and then we have to go to the Elpa tour because it's Elwam, the last week of the month. Yep. Last week of the month. You're going to get a deal today? Yeah. Couple. I agree. I will too. Uh, back tomorrow, uh, Wednesday on the show, we'll have full reaction to the Jazz um, and the Denver Nuggets tonight. The Nuggies. Who do you got, Nuggies or Jazzies? Jazz. I'm taking the Jazz to win tonight, too. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll get you ready for Bronco Mendenhall. Why is the relationship between Bronco and BYU fractured? We'll talk about all that tomorrow. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. <laughs>